Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for the last regular episode of Cracker. Uh, the only difference between this one and the other ones is this one was actually aired as a movie rather than weekly episodes with, you know, clearly defined breaks. But yeah. that's it. Other than that, it is just a standard episode of Cracker, with the big difference being that it's Cracker Goes on the Road. Yes. We are X amount of time after the last episode. In fact, it's completely unclear how much time has passed. But well, his daughter is dating. That one much we do know. Yeah, but she could be like 13 and she was like 12 when we last saw her. So, Yes. And he specifically does indicate that he is from Manchester. That's true. <laughs> so we finally know for sure. Well, I mean, I think yeah. it was pretty clear based on the, once we heard about the football matches, it was pretty clear there in Manchester. But yes, he did finally just, yes, obviously we are set in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> when the guy says Birmingham. Birmingham. Uh, Manchester. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, I did enjoy that. That was a nice touch. Uh, but yeah, so he's gone to Hong Kong to... Uh, on a lecture tour. On a lecture tour. And he's at the university, and while he's lecturing, a brutal murder happens. And they're like, well, since the police have already been going to this guy lectures tour, and he's famous for catching criminals, let's bring him in on this one. Yeah. Which, of course, is what brings us to the killer. Because, as you should with an episode of Cracker, we meet him very early. Yeah. And I got to say, watching this, I think I'm I think this is how we're going to feel about the Paul Abbott era. Now that we've seen the entirety of the Paul Abbott era is like. How do I put this? Uh, completely competent. But it just and we've talked about this for the past two episodes as well. It doesn't have the spark we want from Cracker. It doesn't yeah. have the life we want from Cracker. You know, it's not lively in the same way. It's not wow in the same way. And that fundamentally is, is a frustrating thing to watch because it's like you're seeing the bones of the thing you love, but it's not, you know, it doesn't have <laughs> the meat on them. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and it... <laughs> And Jimmy McGovern's getting older, so Cracker's getting older. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Well, he has long since left the series at this point, but he comes back for the movie. Ten years later, he comes back for the movie, and I'm very this excited one to watch said the it movie. Was written, this one says it was written by Jimmy McGovern. This one was Jimmy McGovern? That's what it says right at the very beginning. Oh, okay. Well, then he I guess he was largely out of... Uh, I thought it was another Paul Abbott. I was wrong. Okay, good. Well, now it sounds more like um, the way I felt about it in some ways, but that, which is why I made the crack about Jimmy McGovern being old, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. Because it that was, is something that he is uh, very much concerned with. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was thinking just before you were, you, we connected, right? Right. I was thinking, okay, well, what was my overall impression of it? Mm -hmm. And it was that it was sad watching 
cracker. Like it's a sad episode. That's beside the point, right? But it was because it was sad watching cracker fits never going into old age, still never having learned anything. Yeah. And learned not to gamble, learn to stop drinking, and the stupidity of trying to get Penn Hagley in there. To drag her out to uh Hong Kong. Hong right? Kong, yeah. Yeah, that, was, that's a frustrating thing to watch. Well, I, I would say what it is. Like I just thought it was sad. You need to grow up at some point, and he still doesn't manage because he's now as you say, we don't have a timeline for this, but he's got to be 10 years older, five, 10 years older and still not learning anything. No, I mean, this is Hong Kong. This is, yeah, I don't think he's five or 10 years older. I think it's only supposed to be a couple of years later. And again, I was right. This is written by Paul Abbott. I don't know why you thought it was written by Jimmy McGovern. Oh, the, he writes. Oh, it, oh never mind. You're okay. confusing it with 9 11. You're confusing Not, it with 9-11. I'm, I'm confusing it with the next one you because are. it did come. It started to run. Yeah, that's that's what you're confusing it with. That's the one where he comes back from Australia. Yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, no, no. Paul, the wedding, this is still it Paul opens up. Yeah. It it's, opens up with the wedding. There you go. Okay, so this is... And, okay, so maybe this is only a year, so this is still Yeah, this Paul is like Abbott. a year after the events of the previous one. And, and, and that is explains why i'm so why it was so um yeah because it's like it was missing again it was missing that something with the because i was still old my it's very sad watching cracker i don't think he was um Mm -hmm. i don't know whether he you know he would have whether he would have ever phoned jimmy mcgovern and said well you know what's happening to this guy (laughs) along the line probably not uh, I mean, I'd be interested if if there's a book out there about the production of Cracker, about how this show happened, I'd, I'd want to read it because it's like, yeah. is this a situation where it took such a toll on Jimmy McGovern to write the episodes he wrote that he had to just pull back from it? Because that happens. Well, come on. I mean, uh, that that those three arcs. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I understand how that could be incredibly hard to write and hard to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would not surprise me at all if that's something that had like made it so he had to stop working on the show. Like that wouldn't shock me at all because yikes, the stuff he was dealing with in those episodes, the stuff he was trying to get across, the statements he was making about the world on that, those episodes. And so it's like this episode, which, you know, I think fundamentally I don't have a problem with. But again, it's the same as the other two Paul Abbott episodes where you're it just watching. You're like, do it. No, it doesn't yeah. hit. It doesn't hit the way the other ones do. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right. And again, I don't even know if I'm blaming him that much because could anybody else have done it? I well, and as I would say about this, this episode I wasn't as upset by the cracker as right. I was by sort of the lack. I'm not sure that I, what's the word I want? Fully bought. The like, villain? Like, 
well, no, I sort of understood the villain, but it was just not it after the last episode, the 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 stalking episode with yeah. her, and we could mm-hmm. rewrite, it's not it's hard. There's no need to rewrite this one, right? No, it's just not that compelling. It's just not that compelling. And um, if this had, maybe it would have been more compelling if his girlfriend had been his wife. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not, not going to commit to that until we start talking. Until we about start getting it all, a little deeper right? into but, it. Um. Because this was, I mean, it was, I'm not even going to say it wasn't a horrible episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. It was this, this, but you didn't get, like we always, I mean, the biggest problem with True Romance mm-hmm. was that, and how we could rewrite it, right? Yeah. It, which was easy enough because we had sort of, even at the beginning, like you could look at it. This one and say, okay, if we made this, this would have made her story more compelling. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you could do to this to make his story more compelling. You just, because you never see, well, I guess here we go again. You know, you needed to see just how bad the situation was and somehow or another a bunch of papers don't compel. No. And you don't, his relationship with the, like, like I never understood why the girlfriend told him she was pregnant. Yeah. If she was know. so concerned about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why does she tell him? And I mean, maybe it was just like this weird window where she completely immediately decides to get an abortion the minute she finds about the money trouble, I guess, is what they could be saying. No, but she'd seen the abortionist before. Before, I know. Unless she hadn't, and a longer amount of time had passed between those three scenes. Because, I mean, it is possible they're trying to say, like, two weeks happened between those scenes. Right? No, because she tells him. Because when he, when he, no, because there's no break in those scenes. Oh, you're right. There's no break. He he just, you know, he tells her, you know. About the money. Yeah. He tells her about the money because and she's and he's already told his staff she's pregnant. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, so she's and she she had already gone to see the so abortion. Probably yeah, to see the the well, he's an he's a guy a guy not right. So he's yeah, a gynecologist. Yeah. OBGYN. He's an OBGYN and yeah. he covers everything. And, yeah. And he does everything. But right, she you know, but she did go to see with him and was discussing this with him. Yeah, that's weird. Right? So whether she had some inkling there was something wrong already, because that's sort of why she said that explains why didn't, because she does say to him, why didn't you tell me Yeah. about the money? Right? Why didn't you tell me, you know, and uh, then she wouldn't have gotten pregnant in the first place. Yeah. Well, no, and it's a weird question there, right? Because she seems, I was confused because she seems completely surprised about the money. Yeah. Like, she seems completely surprised about it. So if she has completely surprised, why was she already considering an abortion? Yeah, because he, but he had changed, right? Yeah. I guess. I guess. 
And you she know, was detecting and, his emotional, being yeah. emotionally distraught because of the business situation. Yeah. I guess. Well, okay. Here's something that the, that I think we could talk about it delving into, right? That it, uh, that it probably would have assisted it if it delved into this further. That is, uh, that is touched on far less than you'd think it would. It is only like kind of glimpsed at in the plot of the thing. And that is, uh, how shall I put this? It is a story about Hong Kong where no one is particularly pissed at the British. And I found that pretty weird. Like they have this little thing. Uh, there's a line or two about them being colonizers, right? And oh, then and Fitz at the end says, yeah, well, we and Fitz does a little, yeah, Fitz does a little speech at the end about should have never been here, but it's like, uh, where is, problem. where is the fact that, you know, this guy, uh, is not like, why is this guy's reaction to not being taken seriously? And by Benedict Wong, right. Screwing him over. Right. Why is his reaction to that? Not that you're doing this because I'm white. You know, you're not helping me. Why is there no racial aspect to any of this? When that is historically a big part of relationships between people in Hong Kong. Oh, well, relationships between people in Hong Kong. Yeah, like it's yeah. this situation where it's like the British people who have this assumed superiority because of their, you know, <laughs> their status as colonizers. Except now the country's going away. Why is, you know, he not concerned that she wants an abortion? Because, you know, she figures he is, uh, what do you call it? Leaving the country and doesn't want to go back to uh, England with her, him. Yes, because he's never asked her to marry him. Exactly. You know? And that would be, that to me... Yeah, I hadn't thought, thought that, that part of it through. Yeah. No, I hadn't thought that part of it through. But no, 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 he did that, didn't he? Now I'm getting confused. But I no. think, no, she turned him down. And then she says, when she's in the crate, yes, she says, ask me again. Yeah. She doesn't want to marry him. Yes. And again, I'm like, why let's get into that and it's like let's get into the fact that part of this guy's you know psychosis and mental problems with all of this can come from maybe the fact that he feels like everyone for the past decade have treated him like a tourist even the woman he wants to marry yes i feel like well, that should have been an element of the story that he well, could never feel like he belongs there well, you know very well the reason why you stopped learning Japanese. Absolutely. I found out about, you know, Japanese culture. Yeah. You know, and you were never going to be able to go there. And Yeah. I was never going to be, uh, I was never going to be, gonna be at all. fit in at all. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, there you go. Yeah. You know, I, I just had to accept that and move forward. And it was a tough one because, you know, like I'm so, again, I would desperate for um, the thing that Japan offers 
in its uh, media that I always wanted to be a part of from the very beginning is a lack of irony. Yeah. <laughs> like people are just allowed to mean things, you know, <laughs> in a way that they're not here in North America as much. And I always rejected that here in North America. I love it when the things just mean things, but that's a whole other conversation. But it's like, it's so weird to watch this. And it's like, you get these tiny glimpses of it where you've got this woman there who he's working with, the detective, who doesn't have a British accent. Yeah, And that's and crucial. She has an American accent. Yeah, and because he, as Fitz points out, yeah. how much, how much of like, you're rich enough to have a private tutor, your family... And they hate the British enough that they made sure that an American taught you to speak English. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's a window into how they feel about the British that you feel like this feeling could be underpinning a lot of the villains motivations if they were willing to delve into that at all. Yeah. But it's this whole thing that goes unspoken or how about the fact that there's lines that seem to feed into this reading like, do you know what happens when Chinese people see a white guy with money? That's the mark, you know? You know like, what they call yeah. You know what guilo means. Yes, White exactly. ghost, the tense, the title of the Hence the episode, exactly. You're not really here. Yeah. You know, you're not a real person. You're a white ghost, you know? When he goes to the, when he goes to the gambling, he probably gets cheated out of his money. Yeah, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care because he's you know, a gambler. He's a degenerate he gambler. Wants, yeah, he wants to gamble. Yeah, he wants to gamble. <laughs> and it's like he went here to make money for his family, but he resents being away from his family and his family for sending him away. So he's just happy to lose the money gambling. Because <laughs> Fitz has problems. Fitz has a as lot said, of problems. Fitz has, as I said, and he hasn't grown up any. He no. hasn't learned anything. And we don't even know if he's. He keeps talking about his wife, but that means nothing. No, absolutely. Because he tries to get Jane to come to Hong Kong with him. Yeah. yeah. Is he talking about his wife because they're still together? Or because is he talking about his wife because, well, she's still in his head somewhere. He's still his wife. Exactly. That's an interesting concept. Because I feel like even after their divorce, if they were to formally get divorced, He's the kind of guy who would refer to her as his wife indefinitely. I think 100% you can say and that. Particularly until she remarries. Yeah. And it's like, there's this, there's this thing in the episode and it, the, now that I'm talking about it, I find weird. Cause it's like, it seems like the, fa the fact that it is treated as common knowledge that this white guy fits is going to get cheated because when they see a tourist with money, that should pair with Dennis's reaction to losing his company to Benedict Wong. Yeah. And assuming he's being cheated because he's a white guy. And, but none of that ever comes up. And I don't know why there, maybe there was some reason for that. Cause it seems like In the show sort of the, wants to talk about this and then it just never does. So well, do think? yeah. That could have been a, like a studio note saying, don't bring this up. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously, remember, this mm. is Britain. Yeah. And they're going to lose Hong Kong very shortly, and they still want to maintain... Relationships, civil yeah. relationships with, with Hong Kong. Okay, I see your point. And to make it, make it highly racist, I could actually see... Yeah. I could actually see a studio note 
or a, because remember, you know, uh, or or a home office. Shall we call it a home office? This note? issue, yeah. You know, yes, it's okay and it's wonderful you're going to Hong Kong, but... Uh, Maybe take out all the parts where Chinese people are being racist to British people. Or, yes. That it and, looks or like, at least that the guy thinks that's what's happening. Or the Chinese people are being racist, the British are racist to, to the Chinese. Yeah, like, it's it's weird to watch a whole thing set in China with zero racial component of any kind. Yeah, in Hong Kong. I mean, sorry, in, in Hong Kong, not China. In Except Hong with Kong. the one line being that the woman is entirely uh, right to expect that she should be getting already have that job, but she can't because she he's a white guy and they need a British guy to well, be a white he's British, British. Guy in charge. It's yeah. it's specific, right? Yeah. If this guy, if her boss were American, it would be an entirely different, different thing. But the fact that it's a British guy is a huge deal. Yes. It's central to why he even has the job. It's the only reason he's there from her point of view. And we don't see anything to force us to argue with that. But it's like, it's it's this weird situation where because they forthrightly addressed these, like asked these racial questions and brought up these racial issues so bluntly in Men Should Weep and To Be a Somebody, it's so weird to see them, what I would say is shying away from them here. I think it's because it was done just before the takeover. The handoff, yeah. The handoff, because, um, and it is true that, I mean, I, there's another advantage to reading Ian Hamilton. You're getting a lot. I'm getting a lot of, learning a lot of things about the takeover from the Chinese perspective. Yeah. From the Hong Kong pers- Chinese perspective and from the Chinese Chinese perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is kind of interesting, but um, I would say that it was a fraught, it was a fraught handover. It was a yeah. fraught problem. There were Chinese who did not want, I mean, in Hong Kong, they still don't want to be part. And that was, I mean, that doesn't come up either. Yeah. And that's why maybe like it's so, it's such a bizarre situation and why our ghost killer um is so shocked that ben is doing this to him yeah but what has happened is that the mainland chinese are buying off um and giving contracts to chinese to try and smooth the entrance yeah to try and pushing out the british entrepreneurs and again it's something that he gets mentioned once and doesn't become a central part of the motivation when you really feel like it should as I said, I think if you were going to say anything, mm-hmm. what it is, is that it was probably a very touchy. I do not know why there was this decision to go into Hong Kong yeah. for this. Um, but they offered, like, I, 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 to start were with, they offered I don't know production why they help? ended up. Yeah. Yeah. Did who, who wanted them in China? Yeah. That would, I mean, that to me is a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Who would want Cracker in China except, I mean, this reminds me of sort of beyond borders, you know, this idea of somehow or another when there's an, an, an American in trouble, yeah, you, know, you have to have something over, over there. And if they were going to do that, you know, they call in 
in fits because the chief of police who's British is interested and they're, they skirt the issue is it is Fitz who solves this, that Fitz is right. And if it had been left to the Chinese police or, or the, or the chief of police who is yeah. British, um, they would have just put it down to business mm-hmm. and not realized what was going on. I mean, what this guy did to the girl was just oh, horrible. God. And I'm not sure that I, it, it is such a bizarre reason why he did it. Yeah. That I I I, I kind of get okay when you get to his like reasoning rationale? when you get to his rationale you understand his trauma but it doesn't seem to inform like Why his rage doing? at his girlfriend this the way it should yeah I just, like it's inter whole- it's interesting trauma I get that but, and it says that actually yeah but it's like. What, why, how am I supposed to combine this with the girlfriend who's planning to have an abortion and maybe leave him? You know, it doesn't tie in with his specific. But the funny thing is, is that she wasn't going to leave him. No, no. But I mean, I'm she, sure that's what's in his She head. was saying, okay, we'll sell the, we'll sell the apartment. Yeah. We'll move to a cheaper place, you know, and exactly. then we'll have a child in a couple of years. Yeah. We we just now she was already wondering whether they were ready. Yep, and you now know? she thinks they're not because of this business turnaround. Well, no, it's before the business turnaround. You're right; it's before it's the business, which is needlessly confusing. I can't stress that enough. Well, it's it, to me it wasn't confusing. Yeah, it just indicated that she um, had been thinking about it this had way. been yeah. that there's something already going wrong with the marriage and we already know what's going wrong the business pressures he's lost three big contracts since january yeah contracts he would normally have had yes this and again driving business and that's why i think that again it doesn't leaving focus the on co- that. i'm just saying it should focus on this should be the big stressor for him like the fact that they should be, and you're right that it's like it's possible this episode is just fatally crippled by unable being unable to make the episode about what you think the episode should be about, right? Yeah. Like this episode should be about the handover, and he should yeah. feel like uh, he's and his so business troubles. Me, here's, let are, me tell you what I go. thought because remember we're both seeing this for the first time. Yeah, this is why we're so convoluted about it in some ways, right? Yeah. Um, and, and not understanding some of what's going on. Because when he took a girl into the box, right, into the crate. Yeah. One of his shipping containers. Yeah. Turns out he was going to ship her back to to to, yeah, to England. To England, right? In mm. one of his company's shipping containers. Now, yeah. that's what we find out. But later on. But from my perspective, when he brought her in, I thought, oh, so now he's going to start killing Chinese women. But that's what I thought he was doing, not putting his wife in there and creating this bizarre reason for it. You had enough of a reason. Oh, yeah. Right. And so because he loved his wife and he cared about his wife and he could have talked her out of the abortion, probably. probably. If he tried hard enough. 
but he's still mad at her for even thinking about the abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, so and that would still justify his killing the OBGYN. Oh, yeah. And, it, and of course, we know why he killed the business partner. Yep. And anybody else he's going to kill. But oh, I yeah. thought he was going to start killing women at, in, because he couldn't kill his wife. Yeah. Like, is this man so deluded? Like, I don't buy that this man got so completely twisted around and deluded after years of being successful in Hong Kong. Yeah. And I mean, again, if you had added in tensions about the handover and him beginning beginning to think that he is being erased, like all of his success is disappearing because the Chinese have decided to erase all British people, then the abortion, the threatened abortion becomes this triggering thing. Yes. Because he's even being erased from his own family, which yes. would go back to his illegitimacy and what happened to his own father. Yes. That, like, now now we're getting there. And so instead of killing though this woman, because he hopes to talk her into still keeping the baby. Yeah. Okay. To killing other women. Yeah. As I well, think it would have made more sense. It would have made a lot more. Okay. So we're rewriting. You him. could also, I mean, you could still keep him. I mean, he, uh, him killing the business partner and the abortionist. Sure. But it's like, then maybe he should focus his rage on other women. Cause he can't hurt his wife. Yeah. Yeah. If it were longer, especially, but it's like all of this, like, it feels like the show is desperate to be about one clear thing, which is his anxiety and whether it's real or imagined and anti-British bigotry forcing him out of the life he had built. Right down to the fact that, like, this woman is going to abort her half-British child. Yeah. Right? And it's like, this should be his main tension and the main thing driving him and the main thing motivating. But instead, it never comes up. Yeah, it's, it's, it is for sure extraordinarily weird. That they don't, that this, that is not the focal point of this. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah. And I could, and you could figure it out. And then Fitz has to come in with, with his shtick, of course. Of course. And he would, he would do it that this mixed up thing, he would, he would have to sort out. He would understand that there's something about the British, like, cause let's face it, you know, it's been years. And what I meant to say earlier that I don't think I finished is that people in Hong Kong had mixed feelings about they didn't they didn't like the British. Yeah. But they didn't want the Chinese to take over. Yeah. They wanted self-rule. And that was the agreement they made. And the hands off self-rule kept until, you know, China decided to go full fascist. Well, they were always going to go full fascist. They just lied. They just lied. You know, I mean, China just lied. Yeah, they did. I mean, why do you think Taiwan has absolutely no interest in discussing anything with China? Yeah, because you can't it trust China. It doesn't matter yeah. what China promises. All they have to do is look at Hong Kong and, and what's that, happened to yeah. Hong Kong since the takeover. Yeah, it's true. And that's why the t- Taiwan, I mean, the Taiwanese that I know when I have taught some more yeah. than one. Yeah. You know, and I tell you, some of them get out, but they still, none of them, none of them want to be part of mm-hmm. China. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, that, is, is, that is what I have heard from the Taiwanese people I know. You know, be, it's simply because you look at Hong Kong and yeah. they don't want that. 
No, they and don't they end up were, like that. You know, I mean, yes, I grant you this. I mean, Taiwan, the one thing that the Taiwanese could do, and this is the younger versus the older yeah. Taiwanese, is that as far as I'm concerned, just take off, stop calling yourself the Republic of China. <laughs> I know. You know, call yourself the Republic. Stop calling yourself China. That's an old Chiang Kai-shek. Yeah. Yes, and because... The thing is, nobody's defending Chiang Kai-shek, okay? No, he no. was a monster. Yeah. He was a drug-dealing monster, okay? But at the same time, you know, we're not super happy about what Mao did either. You know, it kind of sucked to be living under either of their rules. And but you're right, this like this insistence on them on like the Chiang Kai-shek, you know, we demand to be acknowledged as the last remnant of the true China. Just give up that past obsession. Just like. Well, and I would think the younger ones would give it up. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like, there is still but it is still like that if. We don't have too many World War II survivors left. Yeah. But some of them still can't tolerate, mm -hmm. for example, Germans or Japanese in particular. Yeah. I tell you, if one of my uncles was still a, alive, he wouldn't have anything to do with the Japanese. Yeah. Because of what happened to him. And of course, the, the, he was on the Bataan March. Oof. And yeah, he was dragged into that because, of course, he was he was he was a Dutch colonist and he a it military, he was in the military, the Dutch military, they were in Indonesia. Ah, okay. When the Japanese invaded. Gotcha. Yep. Oof. And um, yeah, that's why he and they ended up in Susebury. <laughs> Quite understandable, I would say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Want to get as far it, from that as possible. Well, they tried Australia and it didn't work. Oh, okay. In first. That was the try and he he just he would he had too much PTSD in He couldn't stay in that climate. Uh no no not climate PT PSD from being too close to no, the That's Japanese. what I'm saying. Like he couldn't stay in a place where the weather was the same and the plants were the same and it all looks the same as it did in the place he was a thing. He had to go back to a place in the northern hemisphere that looked like where he grew up and you know, Sault Ste. Marie, it's not that different from, you know, a lot of northern Europe. Yeah. You know? Lots of great big forests. It's nice and cold here in the winter. Yeah, I get yeah. it. I get you why you would be more comfortable in Sault Ste. Marie, 100%. Yeah, and... Um, but it's like, yeah, that's the thing that kept getting me. Because it's like the detective stuff about this episode is fine. It's fun watching Fitz, uh, you know, investigate. I really and, liked... And oh, his boss and, and, and the, what? the who shows up instead of Van Halligan? Oh yeah, no, all the stuff when his when the governor shows <laughs> oh, up, it's, it's very funny. The governor shows up. Yeah, there's there's because Van Halligan, after all of this time, finally got her frigging promotion, but that means she needs to go and uh, get her finish her degree. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. Oh Fitz my god, creating putting putting out the champagne and. I know. You know, making sure that she's in a in room, room next, next to her. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. No notes on that scene. Yeah, no notes on that. That was just loved gorgeous. it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I loved that. Uh, you know, there's yeah. there's plenty of good stuff in the episode. That's what I was yep. saying. Like, I I really liked the scene where they go to uh, Benedict Wong's office, right? And mm -hmm. the 
the ME is there. Yeah. And, the <laughs> Emmy, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, here's exactly what the ME is saying. Yeah, you know, I don't know no, Chinese, he, but here's yeah. what the ME believes, right? Yeah, he says, here's what the ME believes. And the, the police officer goes, you speak Chinese? No. No, I just spent a he's lot of time a, with ME's. He's the forensic. Yeah. It's what it's, it's what his, this is his job to say. And it's like the clues they give him make perfect sense. The fact that he went out of way to beat his head in with the trophy. Yeah. Rather than all of the heavier things that are all around the office, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's, it's well done as a mystery, as a standard mystery, but it's like, there is this elephant in the room that no one is talking about. Yeah. The handover. And, and and it's the handover. Because it's like, who are his victims, right? It's the it, it's the business rival who's destroying his business, the doctor who's trying to destroy his family, and the British government who's refusing to help him. Yeah. That's his three victims. Yep. You know, like, so this should be... About something bigger than his mother getting pregnant by somebody yeah. else. Exactly. And him being illegitimate. Like... And that's, as he said, that's sad, but that's, is that what the character's main deal is? No, this should be about how his whole life is being erased by the handover. Yeah. You know? And maybe that was initially what they were going, they they were thinking when they started to put this thing together. Yeah. And then they, you're right. And it's and possible. Then the home office came in and says, yeah, you can't go there. Yeah. It's, you it's, can't go there. It's so funny to watch this episode and it's like, here's what the episode should be about. And it just can't, can't get there. Yeah. So the, the, it's really hard to find this episode compelling. You have, you could sort of, because at the end, I couldn't even like at the end of true romance for, for the fact that we had to rewrite that one. Right. Um, I still felt so sorry for her. And you had yeah. these horrible people, right? Oof. Um, but I I couldn't connect with this guy. No. I somehow there was just something missing. And it's not because it's a woman versus a man. No. no. Because we we cry. Uh, we have we empathized in his own way with Albie. Albie, remember the brothers. Yeah. I mean the yeah, yeah, the one before. Yeah. Yeah, True brother romance. Loves. So it's it's it you know that was you, you just felt for them and you're supposed to feel for this mm-hmm. and you should have and the only way to make us feel for him is to see that his world is falling apart yeah. and we don't see enough of that. It's not explained well enough. No, it's really I know easy. what they were going for, and the only thing that can explain it. Is the British is this whole business of his whole world is being destroyed after he went to Hong Kong? Yeah, and and was reasonably successful. Oh yeah, I mean that's the whole point. He was very successful, and then a reasonably successful, successful enough to have a big expensive apartment. Yep, and he's know, got a business be- where you know dozens of people work for him. Like he's yeah, he is a successful guy. Yeah, and he's had it, and all of a sudden. Once the handover, it is all suddenly, yeah. Once it's once it's looming over everybody, suddenly yeah. mainland, as they say, mainland Chinese money is flooding in, right? To, uh, to, to buy up and to take away, to buy out all the British, and it's like, and so he suddenly feels like 
he's being, you know, he lost these co- and, and have him say. And why didn't the they contracts. say? Okay, there it is. Yeah. Okay, there's there's how you begin to set this thing up. Yeah. Is yeah. when he asks Ben, where's the pressure coming from? Because Ben has been his friend for years. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Ben is not going to, is buying his business out. For less than it's worth. And and he's going, well, where's the pressure coming from? Mm-hmm. Where are you getting the money? Oh, yeah. I've lost Ben. Ben, because Ben was really his friend, tells him the truth. Yeah, that he's being Okay. Pressured. And I tell you that if Ben had told him the truth, yep. it would have made a lot more sense what happened thereafter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, now, and the thing is, know, and it's like, <laughs> we could get into, you know, like, do they have the rights to throw all the British people out of China? You know, <laughs> like that could have been an honest question and a discussion they could have had. Right. Like, do they fine? But it's like, is it better that the Chinese come in t- and uh, financially take over? I would argue, no, it's not working out well for anybody, especially in, Africa in Hong right Kong. Now. It's not. Yeah. In Africa, it's not working out well. In Hong Kong, yep. it's not working out well. But like. These should have been the discussions the episode was about and like have Ben admit that like he is not being get, like he would lose business opportunities. His world he, yeah. isn't going to be worth living because the Chinese are taking over. Exactly. And that's what this guy should be. And up he's against. sorry. He's sorry he has to do this, but he has to. Yeah. And, it's and like, what his face should understand, right? Well, he's not going to understand. And, he's going to get violent. No, no, he's going to get it. Okay, so then he gets screaming angry. But then now he, he decides that that's what every problem in his life is. That's why she wants the abortion, because, you know, China's Yeah, then he goes home and finds out, yeah, exactly. she wants to have an abortion. And right. And so that's so, the icing on the cake. Exactly. And then boom, and then the British government, like, if you make this about his anxiety about the handover, which is yeah. a microcosm of England's anxiety about the handover, I think you've really got something as an episode here. But the yeah. fact that it like barely gets mentioned a year before the hangover, you know, fun fact, um, the, the first script of Tomorrow Never Dies, the James Bond movie, was entirely about the Rupert Murdoch character trying to get, you know, Hong Kong to be blown up in this war as a screw you to the British, sorry, screw you to the Chinese for and to the British at once, because it was going to be the Chinese versus the British, right? For ruining his business by uh, actually doing the handover. Yeah. And then they got, they started production like that, and they're like, oh my God, what if there actually is a war about the hangover? <laughs> about the handover? We have to take that aspect out of the movie. Let's, let's just focus, let's just do, you know, you only live twice again. Yeah. <laughs> I think, okay, yeah. and I'm, The only major thing they changed in the movie is Elliot Carver's dialogue, cha- like hiding his character's motivation. Yeah, and I think and I think that that may have become a concern. They thought they were going to... Because remember, after all, be, how many good Hong Kong movies have we seen since, since the handover? I know. All of the talent fled. All of the talent fled. Yeah, yeah they did. Out of and read Ian Hamilton. Go read these these books by Ian Hamilton. Yeah, 
because it deals deals with all of these issues, right? Mm-hmm. And what the Chinese do, you yeah. know, to uh, dissidents. It, it, oh, it's just yeah. you know, you're going okay. So he can get away with it in books. Yeah, but well, I to think to be fair, to be fair, there are good people who like good directors who kept working in Hong Kong, but it yeah. did not have the flourishing film industry that it did before the handover. Come on, come on. I know. How much? Give me, give me a really good Hong Kong movie. Well, no, give I mean, me a Wong, God of Gamblers. Kar, I'm just saying, Wong Kar Wai kept move, making really good movies in Hong Kong after, but he's about? like one guy. Like, uh, you know, he made well, actually, he made a bunch of stuff about the occupation. He made uh, Lust Caution, which is about the Japanese op- occupation. It's just an amazing movie. But that's the thing. But suddenly that's you fine. have to make movies. Yes, yeah, suddenly you have to make movies that the communist government approves of, and that's a problem. Uh, yes, yeah, so you, you have make to make one. movies. You could make an incredible movie, but it has to be about the evil Japanese occupation. Or you can yeah. make an amazing war movie, but it has to be about like a battle from Chinese history. You know, yeah. like you you're very restricted in what you're allowed to do. And you're absolutely There right. you go. See? You're that was absolutely my point. right. Yeah. No, I Yeah, I I'm not I I okay. shouldn't have questioned that. I think you are right about those restrictions were a major part of the story in Hong Kong cinema after the handover. Yeah. And I think some people decided they were not going to leave their home. Yeah. And and, and they I would make that. those kinds of adjustments. Yeah. There were a lot of people who just couldn't. That's true. And wouldn't. Yeah. No, so I, think I don't absolutely know. Right. Yeah. And again, we don't know the history of this. You're reading the books. I haven't done a major look into it, but just looking at this episode on its own right at this episode on its own i think that is the thing that we're gonna is gonna be our big takeaway from this episode which is this episode desperately wanted to be about something and for whatever reason and i think we know what the reason is it didn't get a chance to be about that yeah and And i think that and the film the episode can't get over that yeah, and I, I and I would not blame this on Paul Abbott. <laughs> no, no, again, as like his as writing as is fine. Yeah, like I'm not. But there was a limitation to what he could do. Oh, absolutely. And I mean that the the biggest the biggest thing was when the Chinese police officer, because Fitz told her she why why aren't you just standing up to this guy? You know, he's going to be gone in a year. Yeah, <laughs> basically, right. You know, he's not even going to be here in a year. And are you leaving with him? I don't mm-hmm. think so. And it's like, the, and then we get the one other uh, businessman we see, right? Yeah. We see with the one other businessman we see and uh, who is planning on his exit, right? Yeah. Who is moving all of his assets out of Hong Kong. And it's like, and the girl who's getting an abortion. And I mean, they can't really tie that to racial issues, even though the yeah. father is local. But they could have because she's also 15. Yeah. But you could have. You could have tied that in. You could have made her a little older and made it be more like the family is planning to leave. And obviously, you know, uh, they're not. I couldn't bring a Chinese baby back with me kind of situation. Like there's there's ways they could have dug into this harder. Yeah. And it feels like the show wants to dig into this harder, but then it just doesn't. And I think the initial intention may have been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. To, to, to do an episode just like the Jimmy McGovern episode about 
with Albie, like yeah. the social concern episode. Yeah, they just and, put it all out there. And it's somehow or another because there, I'm sure there, okay, there were Chinese people, okay, who believed that China was going to honor this. Yeah, this deal that they had made. They had the made, right? There are other Chinese who knew better. Yeah. Okay. So they get their money out. It was like when I, I mean, this, this is the story when you're talking about that, right? And I'm going, okay, so I was working in Montreal, mm -hmm. in the banks. And I worked, I mean, I was working specifically in that for National Trust. Right. And um, the Francophone business people. This is all when there was that the election going to be the election, the referendum, the Parti Québécois, the Quebec might be leaving. You know, yeah, the referendum might have gone. There were two referendums, and this was mm -hmm. the first one. So this was what sixty nine, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when I was working in Montreal, um, but it was around that time at the bank. 69, 70. Yeah. Anyway, so, and we were working. And I mean, the upstairs, right, in the business, in the securities and everything else part of National Trust, they were working 24 hours a day. Wow. They were moving truckloads, truckloads, armored <laughs> cars. Yeah. To Toronto. Right. Montreal never case. recovered, never recovered from that. Yeah. You know, uh, it ceased to be the headquarters, the real headquarters. Like the Bank of Montreal was head headquartered, I think, in Montreal, in Montreal still. Yeah. Um, certainly. But it was, it was the finance hub of Canada. And that all got yeah. moved to Toronto. Because For the same of, reason yeah. that people didn't trust. What was going to happen to their if and their when Quebec decided to separate? Yeah, if can if Quebec tried to separate or Quebec separated? Yeah, and we'd already had. I mean, I I was working at National Trust, and we already had had. I've had bombs on my street. I've talked about this before. Oh yeah, I mean, it was. I don't know why it never worried me particularly. <laughs> well, they were blowing you know? stuff up. You could have been in threat, but then again, yeah. you know. It didn't well, happen. Well, it was on my street. It was in a mailbox on my street. Yeah. But then again, the police went on strike. That was the worst. We got sent home. We yeah. all went to work. The police went on strike at 10 o'clock and we were sent home. Yeah. No, this would be a perfect time to rob a bank, I'm guessing. So why don't we just close all the banks while the police are on strike? Yeah. <laughs> well, the police, because they brought in the military. Right. Of course. What else? <laughs> yeah, what else are you going to do, right? Oof. <laughs> yeah. To parole the streets. Patrol the streets. Patrol the streets. What did I say? Patrol the streets. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in Hong Kong, it was it's um, even at the at the time when I knew people, there were a lot of people in from Hong Kong that moved that lived around Australia yeah. earlier on, right? But they always had these ties. I, I, you know, I after once you knew that. Well, I don't think there wasn't anything the British could do. Right. They couldn't not. have hung on to Hong Kong. No. How could they guarantee this deal? There was no way for them. 
because they just leased it. And I'm sure the guys that leased it, right, didn't think. Oh, I mean, oh. it was going to be a big problem 99 years, years later. later. 99 years later. 99 years later, yeah. Yeah. You I'm don't. sure this will all be sorted out by then. Yeah, apparently yeah. not. Apparently not. A lot of stuff can happen in 99 years. Oh, God. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it's frustrating to see what's happened and how, like, this is about, it's this episode where they went to Hong Kong and they've got, They've got these Chinese actors. They're, you know, they're, they're trying to tell this story, but at the same time, they're like, as you say, and I'm sure they had very good reasons for why they couldn't tell the story, but yeah. God damn it. You just, you wanted them to be able to tell the story they so desperately needed to tell, yeah. but they're just not able to. And I do think, I do think it would have been, you know, for those yeah. reasons that it was just going to be too touchy. Yeah, I think you're probably right. To do it in Hong Kong. You yeah. could only do this story in Hong Kong. But, but you couldn't do it, do it in Hong, Hong Kong because of the political climate. Yeah. Uh, I, I always uh, feel the... Um, uh, it's the funniest thing uh, when you... Um, when I was watching... Because I see people, you know... I'm a very left-wing person. I watch a lot of very left-wing content. And there is a uh, there is a cadre of American leftists who are incredibly American, right? Uh, who have you know grown up in the American context, and one hundred percent, yeah, uh, America's a big problem for racism, unbelievably racist, right? Yeah. Hugely racist. But they, they they end up creating this thing in their head that uh, <laughs> right where they imagine that literally only white people can be racist. And uh, that is that is someone who has learned nothing about China and nothing about Japan. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this and you just you just go, look, you really think that America has a. Yeah, has a, a, a patent on, on this. <laughs> Racism has gone on forever. The Romans. God, yeah. the Romans were racist. But the problem is that they were, they had this small area where yep. most of the Romans lived, right? Mm -hmm. And so they didn't have to deal, but they had their slaves. They called everybody barbarians. The Greeks. Oh, God. Don't even talk about the Greeks. At least the Greeks, the ancient Greeks brought it up. Yep. <laughs> you know, the yeah. Egyptians. They, they, well, the Egyptians didn't seem to be, but they were so isolated yeah, from again. everybody else for the longest time. Yeah. Um, but even they had their rights. They had their little caricatures for these different groups of people. Yeah. And, it's and this kind of tribalism has been it, a feature of I'm humanity sure. for the entirety yeah. of humanity. And it's important for us to fight against it now that, you know... Spoiler alert, science has proven there's no difference between any people. Yeah. <laughs> science has disproven the concept of race, okay? And so, now we've just got to, like, fight against race Figure harder. out, figure out how to get rid of it. Exactly. And it's not easy because it's been part of the human uh, experience for how long? But, you know, we have definitively scientifically disproven the existence of race 
So now let's start working towards getting rid of it entirely. And that's not saying that people as a social contrast. Exactly. It's like, that's not pretending people don't come from different places and have different cultures. Of course we can acknowledge that, but tying race to value. No, we have to be rid of that. And by the way, that's what should have come up in this episode. Yeah. It's a show about a guy who's part of a colonial force who feels like he's part of Eng- uh, uh, part of the place he lives and he's finding out that he's not actually and it drives him to violence and race never comes up. Yeah. <laughs> like, how? <laughs> how? If I'm, you're listening to the episode that I'm describing, does race, and you're right, I'm sure, I'm sure it was ITV or whoever. Well, no, and I yeah. remember the home office had to be. A, yeah, they could censor stuff. You're I right. am sure that the, the, the home government office stepped in. You're right. I'm, the government I'm, had to say, or whoever at ITV, the lawyers, right, yeah, contacted well, somebody, and you know, right. and they had. Yes, it, if it was, it was still ITV, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, the lawyers would have looked at it, in the original script or the, yeah, original, or the original outline ideas, or whatever, and then contacted somebody and said, well. This is going to be a problem. Is if you this want, a, is yeah. this going to be a problem? And they said, if you want, you know, our governmental assistance in filming Hong Kong in Hong Kong, you're going to need to change X, Y, and Z about this script. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure because, that's what happened because they would have had to get all sorts of permission, of course, from from the British government people mm-hmm. in hong kong yep to film to there. go to hong kong and film there yeah and so it's entirely possible that they just yeah. wanted to, things to be kept quiet and i'm like maybe i'm naive but like if you're gonna have to make that many s- compromises with the story maybe just don't make the story you know or find a different story to make or but find the a different story to, to, go tell, to hong yeah, kong is to tell this story is to tell this story yeah handover story the you know what this is doing but maybe that was they're trying to go well you know but but you're making the white guy the the central of this and he's the one who's being bashed and well really you know yeah it it it, is no i mean it would be incredibly risky to tell a story that is a white guy complaining that he doesn't have any rights in hong kong yeah but you know what it was incredibly right uh risky to tell a story where the central villain is a white guy complaining that white men are the most oppressed people in England. Yeah. But they were willing to take that risk. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, Jimmy, but Jimmy McGovern yeah, was Jimmy there McGovern. to do it. You're right. Jimmy McGovern was willing to take that risk. Yes. Jimmy McGovern and they love Jimmy McGovern <sighs> so much that. Yeah. They let him get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But Jimmy right. was probably gone. I mean, if Jimmy, you're right. If Jimmy had written this episode, it would have been. Totally That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. that is what I'm saying. I feel like. I feel no, like they he would have ended something. up. You know, but he would have gotten out. He wouldn't have ended up in jail because the handover hadn't happened yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, um, very troubling episode for a bunch of reasons. <laughs> you know, it's as as we talk through it, it's like it's one of those things. Where we want to rewrite it, but at the same time, I think they wanted to rewrite it too. I think it's entirely likely that the episode we described here was, was the plan. 
was yeah. the plan. Yeah, was the plan. Was what it was supposed to be. There's enough in there. You don't have to do major rewrites. No, you really don't. It just changes a bunch. Of, I mean, weirdly, like uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. if you just change like five scenes of Elliot Carver's dialogue, yeah. right? You can yeah. completely change the tone of that movie and what that movie's about. Yeah. Right? Uh, and that's what it originally was. This entitled, you know, Hong Kong guy who was feeling betrayed by the British and Chinese governments for, you know, for adhering to some deal that was made by people who had no idea how the world was going to look in a hundred years. Mm -hmm. And they were destroying like his future and taking away his company. He's like, great, I'll just burn it all down then. And he yeah. wanted to create a war to destroy Hong Kong. And James Bond had to team up with China to stop him. It was still a good message. Yeah. You know, the racist, colonialist British guy was the villain. But it, had there been actual violence around the handover, I see why they would be, this movie would have seemed toxic. And I get that. I get why they changed that. And here, you just have to change the villain's dialogue. Mm -hmm. And Fitz's dialogue. You Like, the exact same plot. You're absolutely right. It could be the exact same plot and the exact same victims. And it would have made perfect sense if you just changed the villain's dialogue and Fitz's dialogue. And you actually acknowledge the racism and the racial situation. Ugh. It's so frustrating. Yeah, well, it's not the first time we've been frustrated. By a cracker. <laughs> okay, you got me there. All right, so that's that. Next week... Uh, war on, is it called war on terror? What's it called? I call it nine 11. Cause you know, obviously, oh, but it's not right. actually called nine 11. Okay. Well, let me go look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is it called? Season four. I'm checking. Don't worry. Okay. It's called a new terror. All right. It's called a new terror. He comes back from Australia for his daughter's wedding. Jimmy McGovern's back. Fitz is back. Let's do this. Let's find out what it is. I am very excited to finally watch this. So fingers crossed it's great. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. All right. So that's that. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here for more. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.